all the time because I don't get injured that easily. Hi, Josh from British Strongman Coaching. Paul Smith is a guest today. So we're going to go for how to cope. Oh, sorry. We're going there first. Is it better to prioritise specificity over availability for certain events? How did Paul, Paul Smith train for the nickel stones? So I'll introduce him and say that Paul did the nickel stone walk at... Um, World Tour Finals. Yeah, but you did the, the one at the Arnold's a few weeks ah, ago, yeah. didn't you? And you bombed and you didn't do well and you weren't happy with your performance. And then you've gone and trained it a little bit more specifically. And then you've essentially set the new world record that obviously got beaten on the day, but but like you you put a record breaking performance in. So what what did you do? And how did how did you train for the for the Arnolds actually if first of all? Like because you obviously you don't have access to the nickel the nickel stones. So how did you prepare for that? And then we'll talk about how it changed and how you progressed. So I didn't actually train for the Stones and the Arnolds. Um, I had a few comps coming up and also getting married. So it wasn't a typical prep for me. Um, also, it being a grip event and something when I've tried before, I've been very good at it. I kind of left that on the back burner because I had probably 11, 12 different events to train across the comp. Uh, so I had one session at Rhino's gym with... Well, what I thought was a conquer ended up being different stones. And I didn't quite have the rings right. So it was a bit of an odd job of just trying it. Um, so I barely trained at all, but I just thought my grip had carried me through. Um, but, but obviously it didn't. I completely bombed out. Then training for Nicole Stones, I, I think I did four sessions on the Dinny Ring kind of simulators, um, just doing holds of hook rip, just to get used to that you know, pain tolerance and position. And then I had one session with Mark Haydock actually doing some walking stones. Um, I think that was the Sunday before the comp. So I got some experience on the actual rings and carried them, obviously the uneven being hitting the legs. Um, and then that was me done for the comp. So it's not like I had a massive amount of training, but it was just uh, nailing down that technical bits of getting the hook rip set right. And then just trusting my general strength. So you could see it with the, with a few guys at the Arnolds, like they obviously haven't trained super specifically. So what kind of what kind of things would people be doing for like the the nickel stones, for example? So if I had a proper prep for it, I would be on the assuming you haven't got any walking stones near you, which you probably haven't. I'd be on the the Sardini ring simulators um, and just getting used to actual carriers because the main thing with the stones it's a hook grip and then it's also bouncing across your legs. So someone like me who's good at farmers walking nice and fast. It's completely different because you just can't build up that speed. You'll build that speed for a couple of meters and then you'll the stone will slip over in front or behind your leg and it'll just take you out. So it's all about building up that really short, shallow step, building your rhythm, um, also trusting your grip, trusting your traps and and not rushing because it, it was hard with the nickel stone. So about 10 meters in, I thought I was dying. Um, so it just felt really heavy and it was weird going so slow. It felt like I had a long, long way to go. So it's just digging in and getting used to that kind of suffering and not, not rushing, trusting your grip, trusting your legs, and just go slow enough that you can control the stones all the way through. Yeah. So it, it's like something that I always preach, that the, the more specific you can, like I'm a massive fan of specificity, and like the more you can, more specific you can be to the, your upcoming comp, then the better. Like I think a lot of people underestimate the specific skills that you can develop it's not just about the, like, if you look at it fundamentally using this as an example, 
I think I think a lot of people would logically trip like, oh, it's grip and you're moving with it. So you would think that farmers walks yeah. logically it's gonna have a lot of tra- a lot of transfer. But it's something that you, you you can't underestimate the like how priceless it is to like even if it's just traveling one session to go and get you like it's completely unique, isn't it? Oh yeah. I was like ninety five percent more confident after going to see Mark because I dip I the grip felt really solid. I got a couple of decent runs in with the stones and I knew I knew what to expect. I didn't bother with farming, so I knew it's so different. If you've done farmers, you just felt, oh, my grip feels strong. I'm moving fast, but it's just a completely different stimulus. And I think it would also be, almost be counterproductive with the farmers because you're going for them time goals and then suddenly you pull back so slow and you've got to really grind through it. It might be useful like if you had farmers that are quite awkward and you did the kind of really slow carries, that would probably be closer. But again, I think you really need to get the rings. And for me, learning the hook grip yeah. or learning it, applying it to the rings was key. So I think for you, like having the experience doing it now, I think you're going to get like, if you had to, if you didn't have access to the rings, for instance, using this as an example, like once you've experienced it w- once, you can kind of work backwards a little bit from that. Like you can imagine how that felt and then, you know, like say replicate, replicate it somewhat with the, you know, the farmer's footwork, you know, like you could maybe load one side more than the other, for instance. Yeah, yeah, of course. You could practice with hook grip, you could try and pick the the handles with the the thinnest grip for instance which is is never going to be it's never going to replicate what you you do you do at the comp and but i suppose getting on that kind of on the continuum from somewhere between non-specific and doing the actual thing it gets you a little bit closer doesn't it yeah definitely i think it's one of them once you've actually done the event you can practice skills individually much more easy um it's a bit like if you if you're boxing and you learn how to shadow box and pad work and bag work and you're great and then you get thrown in a ring and you obviously it's completely different. And you get smacked in you the face. You get smacked in the face and your whole world's, I remember it happening and it's, it's different to looking good on a combination of pads. But once you sparred a bit, then bringing your shadow boxing up, bringing your footwork up, yeah. bringing your bag up, then it carries over. But you kind of need the exposure to the event first before those skills carry over as much or make them carry over much, much more. Yeah. So I, I like, like I say, a massive fan of specific exposure, and also from a coaching perspective as well. Like getting in there and you know, like you helping your client to where, where it comes up in a comp. Like you're going to be able to offer so much more value because you know how how that feels in your thumb. You know when you're halfway down, you know that you know what I, I'm going to finish this, but I'm in agony. Yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. need to stop. I can yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. But that that I, I've been thinking of it recently. Is that a, I saw an analogy the other day, and it was about you know, like say, there's obviously this debate about whether you, as a coach, whether you need to be able to walk the walk kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a good, a good example I, I read re- recently was uh, about juggling, and it was about like um, reading the theory on juggling and being an expert on knowing how to juggle. But can't read, can't learn how to juggle in a book, can you? Well, that, that that's it. But and that feeling of like like every person who's learned to juggle has literally dropped it hundreds of times before they've got anywhere with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever juggled? No. Well, a little bit. A little but... bit, but you get it, you're like, oh, I've got it. But it's that feel, isn't it? It's complete feel. Yeah, but... feel like, sorry, go on. No, but, but that, that that experience of like knowing what it, knowing what it feels like when you're, you, you know, just failing repeatedly and then you're having to go and you, your back's aching from picking up, picking up, yeah, picking yeah, it up yeah. so many times. Like, you're get, getting in there and 
that kind of exposure to it. So, so I think for people who are training for like, they've got like a specific awkward event. I don't know. It might be like say a car deadlift, or it might be, it might be like say an awkward implement in a medley or something. Like I'm a massive fan of obviously go and go and get as much exposure as you can. But yeah. realistically, if you're six weeks out from a comp and you have to travel two hours to get there. Might not be practical. Yeah. Or so, it might be somewhere where the kit hasn't been made or it's in storage somewhere. Yeah, so that, that happens quite a lot, doesn't it? But I, I think the value in getting your hands on it as soon as possible and then like you you like using that example of like you doing that session with Mark K dot for instance and then work you can like kind of work backwards off that. Obviously yeah. you you probably go and do a few more sessions with them and get better with it. But you're going to be able to, the stuff that you're replicating in your own training is going to be so much more valuable once you've had the exposure and then work backwards from that yeah. rather than just trying to project that, oh, well, if I do farms a bit like this, it's going to, it's yeah, going to yeah. transfer. You, you know yourself as well, the adrenaline and everything, it's, it's, you're already under such pressure. So you've got the pressure and a novel stimulus and it's all hitting you and your time to figure it out is when you've got the stones in your hands it, it's a it's a hard time to be calculating things. You want to know going in, like because I picked it up. And I thought you know it felt like I expected it to feel. If I hadn't done it before, it'd have been like, whoa, this is a lot to figure out whilst I'm trying to stagger down the course with it. Brilliant. So at the World Tour Finals, you came, you broke, you broke the world record first of all, and then came fourth overall. Absolutely brilliant out of the twelve athletes. But what was particularly inspiring for me was the fact that I'd seen you struggle with the at the Arnold a yeah. few weeks previously. And then obviously I know what you've done and like reflected on it and look at where you need to improve like objectively. And you've gone away and, and done that. So just t- tell us a little bit more about that. Like what 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 you did. Not not necessarily in regards to the, the nickel stones in particular, but the fact that you've reflected on a performance and you know, kind of just just learn from it, I suppose. Right? Yeah. So with, with the stones, um, I've done that like, dinny pickups before, and I've walked a little bit with the like the full weight. So I thought basically just an ego thing of thinking my grip would be strong enough because nine times out of ten it is. Um, but it was that kind of ego kicking in of not bothering with the more efficient technique and not 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 bothering as much, but not prioritizing it in terms of our events. Um, so just thinking, all right, hold on, this event needs a bit more specific practice. It doesn't need to me to get any stronger at all. It just needs me to actually practice on the implements and, and get my technique down. Um, you know, some events, once you've got the technique, there's not massive improvement. It's about getting strong. And then some events, you can make massive inroads just from increasing your skill. Um, so with that one, it was just a, let's get some quick specific working because it was two weeks between comps and realistically, there's not going to be any strength change. Um, it was just thinking, right, there's a new technique. Who, what do I need to do? Who knows what they're doing? Obviously, Mark Kader was a guy to go to, um, you know, done it one t-shirt. Um, so it was just a case of thinking, right, forget my ego. That didn't work. Let's break it down. And it's all a case of I did the wrong technique. Guys that were, weren't as strong as me beating me because they the right technique so it's just going away and learning that yeah so just a, bit, a brilliant lesson that in in the space of free <clears throat> i suppose as you're getting close to comp like i always say if you you're within like two weeks or something like you're not going to get any stronger but you can get significantly more fatigued yes so that's something that you need to do in terms of like say m- managing the work and make sure that you're 
getting to comp and your fatigue isn't masking your fitness and your ability. Yeah, yeah. But also another thing in that last little two weeks, which a lot of people miss the boat at, in my opinion, is that in the last two weeks, you're not going to get any stronger, but you don't want to accumulate fatigue, but you can still accumulate quite a lot of skill. Yeah, of course. And you, you've proven that in between the Arnold event and the World Tour Finals that, like you say, you haven't, you haven't got any stronger you, you're just making sure that you wanted to be recovered for this comp, but you've 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 gone from say finishing pretty low down on the nickel walk to being, being one of the best in the world in it, like fact. So I think it's absolutely brilliant, mate. So next question. So for general cardio, is there anything that you find particularly useful for strongman? Not particularly in the fact that it's better than one method is better than the other. I remember when I started, it was a classic thing of you've got to do high intensity interval training because that made me strongman. And then I think everyone learned that it absolutely ruins you when you're trying to trade really heavy for a strongman comp and you took in a load of intervals on top. It just wipes you out. And then I think there's been a shift towards how beneficial like lists is, like really just low intensity, nice long duration cardio. So for me, I use an assault bike um, for my kind of medium intensity sessions. It might be 10 to 20 minutes where I'm pushing fairly hard, but not really maximally. Um, it's I like that. And, because... and describe the level that you work at there. Like, what are you feeling in like your heart rate and your legs and stuff? Like, what kind of level are you working at? Oh, no. It's so hard to. Put yeah, a I'm never it. a big numbers guy, especially heart rates. Because my heart rate gets so high, and I've had it up into two fifties. So percentages wow. wise, yeah, I I I bet good money that it's it's up close to three hundred on a medley, but I've never measured it. Um, I don't know why that is. It just seems to be a, a bit of a thing in my, but. Um, well, I'm doing like a 10 to try it'll generally be I'm going for a set distance and doing a bit of a time trial but again sometimes it will be like all out like so I'm doing five miles sometimes it'll be 75-80% but you're looking like you're getting a heart rate's elevated but you're getting a decent a bit of lactate too so you, you're having to push through pretty hard um, pretty early on so a couple of minutes in you start to feel fatigue and then you're kind of carrying that through through to like 10, 15, 20 minutes um, but that's something again I'm quite careful with, because even that I can find if I've done a really hard session, it's, it can just be a bit of a slog. Mm -hmm. um, but what I find really, really, really beneficial all year round, it's something I didn't mean to to do. Just when I moved in with Shannon, especially over lockdown, we just started walking every day. And I've always walked quite a bit, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't often go for daily walks. I just end up walking to the gym or walking to uni, whatever. Mm -hmm. But we'll go on a walk pretty much every day for about about an hour and we just live in a fairly hilly area so I walk up through the park quite up and down but I just noticed fairly recently after we've been actually we've been doing this a couple of years now and I noticed how I didn't feel like I'd been for a walk at the end I was walking up hills and I was still like nasal breathing and at no point I feel like I was exerted and even at the start, even though I was pretty fit for a strong man, there'd be points at which, like, you know you're walking up a hill, you're like, mm -hmm. your calf might burn a bit, or you're just getting a bit out of breath where talking's a bit more difficult. So the kind of just general benefits of that, of that really low-intensity, long-duration aerobic work has, has definitely made me fitter, but I've also noticed over that time, recovery between sessions has got really good. Um, I mean, it was good before, but now I'm 
I get a lot of work into a two-hour session and still feel okay. So I think the the key thing is with general cardio, first of all, it's something you're going to do because I tell people that I can give you the best program in the world. If you're not going to do it, it doesn't matter. And two, something that's that's low intensity enough to not impact your recovery. Um, and people don't be scared of doing too little with cardio because people think, kind of, oh, I'm not going to go out for a 10K run, so there's no point. It's like, well, just walk for 20 minutes. It's like what you said, recovery. Walk for 10 minutes. Even walk for three minutes will be more beneficial than that walking. But people have a threshold where they're like, oh, if I'm not going to hit that, there's no point. It's like everything with, we're going a bit off tangent, but um, with stretching, I'll try and get like a 10 minute stretching every day. But if I'm really busy and I can't, I'll stretch my hamstrings for 30 seconds and they'll feel a bit better. Hmm. You know, I've, got, I've done something. So don't be scared to set the bar really, really low. As long as you, if you're hitting just a little bit of something, it will be massively beneficial rather than thinking, oh, there's no point. There's no point of doing that. I see it all the time. I think, I think a, a problem with, uh, like, say, do, going for a walk, like, I, I'm completely with you, and I, I want to drive that point home. But people, until, until you actually do it, and, like, it's interesting that you say, like, you kind of found out by chance, really even though you've heard people talk about it for years and the benefits. And I, I was exactly the same where it was just one of those things that you hear and you just think, oh God, I'd rather have something more fancy or something that I can pay for yeah, that yeah, give me yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the same benefits. Whereas actually just doing it and making yourself do it and reflecting how you feel, like it's not cool. It's not cool. No, and no, I think that's, why, fancy, that's yeah. why people don't do what people don't seem to do it. But the, the general benefits, um, I suppose without going too deep, deep with it, the thing that I really like is getting into like a parasympathetic state and just like Massively, just chilling yeah. down that nervous system. Like, um, because even even the stuff like say if you're doing like say the the other stuff like interval training and stuff like that, especially when you're competitive and especially when you're say someone like me or someone like Shannon for instance, like it's actually quite hard for us to once we're actually in the situation, it's actually quite hard not to work hard. Do you know what I mean? I struggle with that bad on the assault bike. I've got better at it now, but for years. In fact, it would put me off doing cardio because even go for like a run. Years, well, no, I've run a bit more recently, but um, when I was training for like rugby and boxing, I sometimes not go for a run because I'm like, right, my PB is this time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I ain't got it in me. So I'll just not go. Because I knew I couldn't go, and you know that knowing that I wouldn't beat my time, it just it just killed me. Rather than just thinking, I'll just go and do a nice jog. Because people used to talk about recovery runs, I could never do it. Um, it's always been hard, like assault bike. So you've got numbers there, so you're always trying to beat it. So I'm really trying to pull myself back now. But the thing we walk, you're just like walking, yeah. you're talking. There's no there's no data on it. So so I I think a re- really good way to look at this is like if we want to. All the coaching that I do, even though like, I like go uh, like going really in depth, and like what I'm really passionate about is simplifying things. Yeah, and the thing that we can simplify in terms of like general training is like sympathetic, parasympathetic, or yeah, which is basically getting fired up and going mad and, and taking from the bank account, and then get like getting more chilled out in terms of parasympathetic and putting stuff into the bank account. But I suppose what I'm, my point is, is like what, what I've found challenging in the past is do it, trying to do some parasympathetic state or putting, putting stuff back into the bank account. But actually because that competitive nature is taking over, 
it's actually becoming cost like yeah. becoming costly. So I, th- I think that's a fantastic thing about walking. Like I've tried a few different things. Like I went went to yoga a couple of weeks ago, mm. and it was I fell asleep. So it was like it was too it was too far. Well, it my was... experience with yoga is either way because I went to a yoga class with my friend Ran, and it was a little bit more circuity type. Yeah. So I was going think of recovery. So I used to, I used to train and I go to yoga and then I go to salsa after because I'm a salsa dancer. And I go to yoga thinking I'm have a nice stretch. I'm really going to chill out. And we'd end up doing a lot of like it was yoga moves. It was intense. It was fast. Mm. So it was a lot of just body weight kind of stuff. It was a bit more Pilates style. So I'm going after that. I'm like, God, I'm out of breath. I'm sweating. I'm, you know, I feel like I've trained a bit again. And then I was going to salsa, which if I'd have been in quite a relaxed state, would have been quite a relaxing thing. But because I was elevating my heart rate again, it, it just felt like it was taking more and more out of me. So I had to stop doing yoga because it was, it was just giving me the wrong stimulus. And it was just sending me up rather than bringing me down. Obviously, if you fall asleep, you've kind of, gone too far before I yeah so so fine first thing i found like go, just taking the dog for a walk and uh, it is it, just it's just brilliant for 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 that because you can't fall asleep because you're walking mm. but for me and like just being honest like i'm some i'm somebody who's always like i'm always go i'm always go i'm always yeah. go and i find it really really tough to to chill out so that that's that's a really good thing for me. I've tried like tried other. I really like I really like CrossFit, but and and the best CrossFit sessions I've had is I've like I've had to get in the mindset of right whatever we're doing, I'm gonna go at like a six out of ten yeah. or a five out of ten. But then there's been a couple of times I've gone to CrossFit felt great, and then there's been something where there's I don't know there's somebody somebody else in there who's pretty strong or whatever, and I've. I've had Can't to, I've had to yeah. try and beat him or, or, the, or, or there's been like a run element in there and I've been jogging and then somebody's overtaken me and like, it's hard not to I, just I, go, I just, and I'm like, well, I can run past him easily. Like, yeah. and it's, and it's hard to, hard to kind of draw that line, but then you go over that line and then the next day I've got doms and I'm like, you it's defeating, the, defeating yeah. the object of what I'm actually doing it for. Yeah. So it, so it, it, it is tough. Um, but yeah, I, f- I find that's a, find, find that's a real, real. So, gen. Obviously, the question: general cardio. Personally, I think, I think doing the looking at the list, so looking at the kind of low, chilled out, sympathetic, blah blah blah, kind of putting into the bank account, if you will. And I'm a fan of going really like quite far the other end so doing like high intensity sprints like or like say less than 10 seconds work loads of rest like quite intense con- mainly concentric stuff you know like say yeah prowl yeah. sprints hill sprints mm. throw in um but stuff where you're not where you're not accumulate you're not getting near that kind of you know like where, where your legs are burning or anything it's just short, sharp. Yeah, I, that's. I thing. think it's the mid. I think it's the bit in the, the middle, middle that's, da- it, yeah. that's dangerous mm-hmm. and um, and can. Yeah, because I when I have like kind of the the, the intense the intense cardio and the more condition what you call conditioning side, I'll plan that in more as a training session, whereas more general cardio I start to think about it more as recovery. But then the the, the trouble is when you add it as an extra session thinking it's not a training session it's taking stuff out of you so you need anything that's additional to your actual programmed in work to be putting you in that parasympathetic state and giving you back just one thing a little tip the cross trainer is a good one to use 
because I I just consider it such a soft and wet piece of kit, and my ego doesn't actually kick in, uh, kick in, which sounds a bit daft. You've got to do what works for you. If I got a treadmill even, I'm still trying to beat numbers or a salt bike. I'm thinking of numbers that I've seen. Whereas on a cross trainer, no one's actually competing on cross trainers, are they? So it's something I can just do and I'm not trying to beat anything. So that's been a useful one for me if I'm in a gym or getting a cross trainer. I can go in that 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes without my ego being like, oh, I need to go faster. Yeah. Another good mode for like for me that I've used in the past for like just general conditioning, heart rate, not making my joints sore, etc. But still, that, that, that's a simple way of putting it. Right? You want to you want to get find a level you can work at without while sparing the joint, basically. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like treadmill for me, for instance, like I'll do it and I feel great. Or, or like say even going playing football. Like the problem is, say say like with people like us, I suppose like we could go and play sport because our fitness is pretty good, but you can just but, very easily do too much damage because of your like cardio respiratory kind of ability to do the work, but you haven't built up. We haven't. We're not doing it regularly enough to build up the recovery capacity, capacity yeah, in yeah. terms of, um, like soft tissue and stuff. Yeah. So I think that so a good good thing for. Me, for me, that I found, yeah, swimming, swimming's really good because I've it's just started doing a bit of swimming because we just joined at the health club, mm. and it's again concentric only, concentric only, nice range of motion, and you feel quite relaxed just being in that environment. It doesn't mm. feel like I'm going. It feels like I'm in a well, I'm in a health club rather than feel like I'm in a competitive yeah. environment. Yeah, like if if I was doing if I was doing and I never don't get me wrong, I don't think I ever would to be honest because I like doing specific stuff like complexes and in and I'd like to do sprints with yoke and stuff if I was doing general conditioning um but but if I was doing general conditioning I think that an, another thing is finding inefficient exercise can be yes can be good like I'm terrible at swimming so actually it's a really good mode of me working hard and getting my heart rate going through the, through my chest like re, like my heart rate really high and um I don't feel like I'm working that hard like in terms of my joints and stuff whereas like take a, ba- a bike for instance I feel like to get my heart rate up my legs are absolutely smoked yeah I'm having to go so fast or against so much resistance because I'm pretty good at it uh yeah I remember reading that ages ago it's about sw- someone trying to swim and lose weight but I think they used to be swimming like college yeah and it just wasn't wasn't working because it's so efficient but it was for me swimming it feels like I'm dying after 30 40 meters but I it's been going, start going bouldering. Now I'm in my off-season block, and Jesus Christ, that absolutely ruins me. And again, I feel like joints-wise, it's not taking too much out. Obviously, getting forearm burns, but heart rate is just so high. So I've just got so much body weight. Obviously, being supported constantly, and it an hour it just kills me cardio-wise. It's fun, and it just carries over so well because it doesn't take a load out. I mean, my back's fine, my knees are fine, but it's it's just such an inefficient way for me to move. Cool. So. We- Lead us on to the next thing. So we've talked about it a, l- a little bit in terms of like energy systems here, and like tried to simplify the getting in the sympathetic state or a sympathetic state. But can you can you build on it? Build on what we've said in terms of like building like a, a phase of training or like in terms of periodization or whatever. Um, like you, you've just mentioned that you're like say obviously you've done like a lot of comps recently in the last whatever three or four months, and you've done your you could call it competition phase, peaking phase, specific phase, yeah. whatever. And now you're in your, what people are calling off season or whatever. So 
can can you can you just give, give us like an example of like a rough 12 months and i know it's so hard because opportunities come up everywhere. yeah so if you talk through like the last year so kind of let's start from the end of last the last off season so brits was january late january early feb uh, so from like mid november i'm in to be fair, this one's been pretty simple. It's been kind of comp prep for Britons. And then after that, it was UKs, but I had about 13 weeks. Um, so I think I did a couple of weeks of like a general prep mobility kind of structural battle. You know, all those were basically a light block, making sure I was recovered. Yeah, that, that, that's what that's what when, that's what I'm asking you. You know what you've just said, like like but like i want it as simple as possible for people to apply yeah and then you can kind of explain what what what's in each yeah one. But, so, but i love that light block boom yeah so block of light work the goal was make myself feel as good as possible as healthy as possible as ready to go into another comp prep as as i can rather than going in with a bit of tendonitis on my back's a bit sore so like about a couple of weeks just get myself ready mentally also a bit of a reset thinking right comp's done a couple of weeks nice and light not worrying about numbers and then again, it was into comp prep for UKs. And then really it was full on. So it was kind of like UKs, uh, Strongman Classic, comp prep. And then we were into prepping for SCL, Arnold's, England. And then Glasgow came up. The thing with Strongman is that you'll find, unless you're probably at the, the very, very top, you're like, usually like top five in the world where you can probably pick and choose your comps beforehand. With me, it was like, I know I'm doing Brits, I know I'm doing UKs, and then it's like, oh, a giant slide spot's come up at Albert Hall, right, I'm in, perfect. Oh, an SCL spot's come up. Oh, an Arnold spot's come up. Oh, another giant slide spot's come up. So my season's slowly be elongated without me planning that in. So planning kind of the full year is hard. It's not like some sports where you've got a very defined season. Yeah. It's like as and when things come up. So it's ended up being after that little kind of light prep phase after Brits, it's just been comp prep, comp prep, comp prep, comp prep. And then really this last phase, it's all been a, one big comp prep trying to, you know, prep for a few comps at once. But it's not really been peaking as much because which one, do you, like, how, where do you peak? He's just trying to be strong over a few weeks. Yeah. So so you've, you've mentioned like two really, really simple things. Like you can get, people can get really super scientific, but... <laughs> People listening to this who compete at all levels can can actually I feel like can just benefit from actually just making it even simpler. Mm-hmm. Like you've just said, like a light block and non-specific, and then comp prep as two, two yeah, things. And then yeah. and then within those, obviously, you can get really intricate and mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot. But yeah, what like what I've been I suppose really impressed with, like you've done your you've done your. Um, You've obviously hit, done your peak or your peak of the season or whatever. You've, you finish your main comps of the year or whatever, and then straight away you've been looking to go into transition into this lighter block or off season block or whatever. And then you've told me like some of the stuff that you've been doing. You know, like say going to do like more like some leisurely stuff and some just different forms of exercise, moving in different planes of motion and stuff like that. I just think it's absolutely brilliant because it can be like. I suppose like someone like someone like, like me, for instance, can find it difficult to back off enough. Yeah. Like I'd be thinking, right, I'll finish the competition. Right. Uh, I want to 
back off like ideally in my head but then a couple of weeks later i'm thinking about oh well, this lift's feeling good or can i hit a pb on that lift and like how how do you manage the kind of resist the urge to 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 do that i think with me it's experience i've just been doing it a long time it's over 10 years now so i've had that phase earlier on and now it's i've really learned that you've got to be strong even more so recently i'm not hitting PBs in the gym as much. I might be aiming for one or two and or sometimes nominally lift through a full block. Um just knowing that I've got to peak on on a certain day for comp. It's a funny one with strongman obviously because it's not like say tennis. Like obviously you play tennis and you do well at tournament but with strongman you've got very set numbers that you can hit in the gym. Like I can mm-hmm. max my log in the gym. I can do 150 kill farmers in the gym. But it's just realizing that I've got to be I've got to peak and be strong in these set dates. When it, it's my off season, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I'm worried what's going to take me to that to that uh, point. So it's kind of taking the ego out of it. Um, and also for me, when I have my off season block, it's really fun because I get to loads of different sports and, and stuff. It's just really enjoyable. So I look forward to it. Last couple yeah. of weeks of training for comp, it was a bit like I feel it. I'm feeling a bit sore and and beaten up, and I just want to do something different. And I see it all the time with guys and like of falling out of love. And it's like, I kind of get it if that's all you're ever doing, but it's really good to step back and do some other activities. Um, And you get quick progress on them. So like, say I'm going bouldering, I'll get 10 times better in this five week blocks, five, six, seven week block. And it's great. It's good fun. Like, oh yeah, I'm way better than I was. Yeah. Whereas on the log press, you get 12 weeks to get 2% better. So it's that nice reset in your head of this, doing the, these things that are quite new or things that you haven't done a lot of. Mm. You get better really quick and it's just nice and refreshing. So so putting a different angle on that and disagreeing slightly with part of it, like I think a, a big thing for you is, and again, what I find so inspiring is like someone said, I can't remember who it was, you said recently, you had you, you had a 20-year plan for Strongman. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah, and I just thought that that's amazing. And I feel like I've got, really good long-term plans in the sport but i'm not, like there's a lot of people who like i believe you're all in with it you know what i mean yeah, and yeah. i think you do with me to an extent but i feel like there's a lot of people who just think that especially obviously the lower that you go down like the they, they might think that the that like they might feel like they're all into it now but they could very easily fall, fall out of look. I see it all the time. Um, do you know what I mean? There's a guy, a lad I know, who was doing, I won't mention him because it's, you know, it's, it's do whatever you want, but he was doing really well at Strongman and then he's, he can tell he's quite into bodybuilding and now he's switched over to more bodybuilding style of training, but he was saying like, oh, I'm really dedicated to this, I've got these long-term goals and you see a lot and you're like, they probably haven't because you get a bit of success. You do that early bit where you're not very good and then you're an improver, intermediate, you're progressing really quick, you think you've got it nailed, Yeah. you're trading six times a week, you've got your meal prep, you're doing well at competitions, and you're building like your own buzz around yourself, Yeah. and then you get to a point where it's not new anymore, and it starts to be a bit stale, and you find a lot of guys that they hit a point like that, and they think, they realise actually, oh no, I don't want to. Yeah. Because any sport's easy when you're, when you got it, yeah, make, making those like making those games. games, but it's when you have a stall and you've got to get through that, and you've got three months where you feel like you're not really improving much, or like I mean, I had what did I have four years without getting a deadlift PB? Yeah, that's tough 
that is tough to keep thinking, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. It's coming. So for yeah. four years to think I've got, a, I've got a plateau to trust it's going to come good, it's hard mentally. So I, you do see a lot of guys where they're like, I've got this big plan. And it's I, just... I suppose right, what I'm saying is that I think this approach that you're, take, that you, that you're taking is beautiful and ideal. I think it's, I do think it's absolutely brilliant and 100% agree with it. But someone coming into the sport, same, same me, I don't know, like six years ago or something like that. Like, I, I know what I, obviously, like a massive thing that I always say to people is like, take ownership, know yourself, like you take control. Like, you, yeah, get the, get the guides from, uh, or programs or whatever, help from experts, but always like take everything with a pinch of salt and create your own philosophy. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. And like, I know that physiologically, like taking the approach of what you're saying would be better for for most people long term. Yeah. But I feel like if I'd have taken that approach, I would have just wouldn't been as interested in it and probably be doing something else. Like a thing that's kept me engaged at like the, you know, like say the first few years, first five years, like like is actually I, I love I started lifting in the gym because I love I love like going high percentages. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. doing a heavy single. I love doing a heavy triple. I love doing some, I love failing. I yeah. love pushing to that point. And, and I suppose like what, what I've kind of learned over time and don't get me wrong, it's not perfect. That's why I've got niggles and stuff. But, but on a lot of lifts, I know that I, I know my limits and a lot of people see stuff on social media and think, Oh God, it's going heavy again on that. But I'll only go, I work at a high percentage on stuff that I know that I can recover from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that that's like a kind of, say, someone being at the other end of the spectrum in terms of that kind of, you know, like I I, I want to... I, I, you like the specificity of it. Yeah, I, I like specificity. And I, and I like like high intensity, like relatively, like more frequently than most people. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I suppose like I've kind of created my own system where where I know that I could, nine times out of 10, I can recover really well yeah. and keep progressing. But for me, it matches up with my mentality a lot a yeah. lot more um, and keeps me engaged. And I hit that and then the rest of my session or the rest of my training week, you know, yeah. if I hit something that I might, gives me that buzz, then that'll give me the, like, I'll be like, right, I'm satisfied now. Now we'll go and do the graft. Yeah, yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Mm. And I actually do, like, even though it's physiologically not necessarily optimal Opt to train yeah. like that, like the trade-off is that the rest of my training, I'm so much more engaged because I'm like, right, I'm going to be a good boy now. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to be a yeah, yeah, yeah. boss at these mm. because I've got that kind of, and I, know, and I know it's like kind of contradicting yourself because like very often we'll talk about like delaying gratification and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose you need it, enough to keep in the game, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and it, 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 I suppose it's mm. quite quite an interesting thing. But but yeah, that's what I'm so, so impressed with you is like you'll, I suppose like you very often go. You touched on it before when we talked about the energy system thing. Um, you very often go lighter than what people are trying to light. Yeah, yeah. Like it, like people. What's Paul Smith? He's lifting. Why is he only lifting that? They're lifting at that percentage, mm. but like. Obviously, the, the the proofs in the pudding. Yeah. Like, I've been training too light for 12 years, which gives you an idea of... <laughs> if you, yeah. figure, you figure that one out. So moving on to the next one. So we, we've touched on it a, uh, a bit anyway. So how do you periodize your, your training to stay clear of injury so well? So we've said about the 
the light phase and then the more specific phase. And I, I, I use that analogy of, you know, the light phase putting into the bank account and then you, you, your comp phase, you can, you can take out of it. Yeah. And like the more that you can kind of put in at this side without doing what I'm saying about, you know, getting that gratification of that heavy single or whatever, the more that you can put in, the, the more you're going to be able to milk, milk out yeah, of, yeah, of this side. So, um, I don't know if it's period. It is periodizing because obviously I know been training so long now. I know I know where my recovery capacity is. Um, generally, erring on the side of caution. Like I'll do some stuff that's a bit daft, but ninety nine percent of my training's within you know what I know I can comfortably do. Um, again, it's okay. I think something I'm really good at is being in that parasympathetic state. I can switch off really easily. So I can recover well, um, and that lets me train more. And the train more, you become more resilient. Uh, another thing is training a lot of different planes of motion. Um, I'm a big believer that if you're, if you can handle being in awkward positions, if you get out of position on a lift, you're not, you know, you're less likely to something to pull or tear or strain. So when you see someone like doing, um, I don't know, getting really rounded over on a squat or something, I'll, if I've done Zercher deadlifts where I'm in like complete maximal flexion. I'm lifting quite heavy in that. Getting pulled out of a, on a squat isn't anything to really worry about. So I think it's been resilient in a lot of different kind of planes of motion, but also just building that understanding of your recovery capacity and how hard you can push. An example, I, I did overdo it. I did training for the Arnold's yoke. I did a 420 yoke, four sets of 10 meters, which is a lot more volume than I've done before. But that was just a case of with the with getting married, I kind of had to jump forward a little quicker than I would have done. I'd have liked to have a couple more sessions leading up to that than I did. Um, so I kind of got it wrong there. But 90, 95% of the time, I know exactly what I can handle. So I rarely get to a point where I'm doing too much. I used to work all the time earlier on. Um, but this last few years, I really nailed it down more where I can really tell quickly if something's going to be too much or how long I can sustain something for. I think UK's was a good one because it was a 12-week prep. It was really long, really easy to overreach on preps that are that long, especially with having just peaked for Brits beforehand. But I didn't quite nail it perfectly because the last week I was a little bit down, but I had good 11 weeks of hitting everything. Um, and it just, it just, I just felt amazing, incredible once I'd actually peaked. So that, that you know, knowing your limits for that long and getting such a big, long cycling was brilliant. I think that that's a brilliant point that you said about the the lighter phase about um you know you referred to the zercher whatever put like preparing positions or whatever the thing that i i like to think of is like in in your competition phase like if you hit your per perfect technique on stuff on every lift or perfect positions then you find that your recovery is a lot easier generally and um but the kind of what you're building in these resilience in what people may describe as suboptimal positions, I see as like you're buying your margin for error. Yes, exactly. So it's like you see people that they have awesome technique in the competition phase on certain stuff, but then when it gets to a grind, they just they just stop or or something. You know, like see, you might see people see, see moving events and they're exhausted, and then the feet are moving out and the hips are opening up and. Where, where, or like say you're rounding in a deadlift or a squat or, you know, like say collapsing, collapsing, knees collapsing on the dip of a press or something. Yeah. Um, but but find that build, building up the resilience in these 
positions and preparedness is um, yeah, is ma magic. So last last little thing on this section. So considerations for natty athletes. So my big thing with this is don't worry about it. Um, I used to I used to read all sorts of stuff. Um, same different different. But if you're natural, blah blah blah, you've got to consider there isn't any. Just just train. Just do do what makes you better. Um, there's, there's there's I don't think there's anything really to to come on to, except maybe that if you're natural, you probably handle more work, which is counterintuitive to everything you've ever read. Um, but you'd generally be recovering a little bit better. Um, I don't know if that's a sympathetic thing, uh, sympathetic, parasympathetic thing. I don't know if it's, you'll generally be lifting a little bit less load. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't change anything at all. Um, and the thing is, you'll if you're natural, you're not natural. It's either one or the other. So it's not, it's not like you can, uh, I was natural for a bit and then I wasn't, and then I was natural for a bit and then I wasn't. So you're only kind of getting one shot at changing your training, if you know what I mean. So I think it's just keep it simple. It's the same principles will work. I don't think there's much, many considerations at all. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a loaded question, really, because like considerations for a natty athlete, you haven't known any different. That's that, that, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to like, say. Yeah. Like, so, like you don't need to do any, anything different. Just do what, do what you're doing now, and um, and then if you if you decide that you want to date performance enhancing drugs at some point, then then you then you can maybe co consider like well let, let, let's talk about it because I'm sure we, we don't need to name anybody. He's the whatever, most uncomfortable but, chair yeah. ever sat on. But but like what 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 are things that you've noticed in like say coaching people who are like don't take gear or do take do take. Uh, what have I noticed? They get injured more. They are the head. They lose their head more often. Um, they expect things to be easier, and then sometimes when they aren't easier, that that can throw them off. That's a big one. Um, and then I said the big things: if you're off, not training is hard. It's when you're on. Uh, that's a massive thing. Um, so you lose a lot of time. Um, when you could be getting better, where you're not as strong, so you think, oh, I'm not as strong, so I'm not going to be able to train in. See that a lot. Or not training as intensely. And again, that's a great time to do these lighter blocks and more skill-based blocks. Yeah. Uh, so you can still make different gains in different areas. Um, I, I think that's particularly, like, using your kind of framework or whatever that we've just discussed, like, for people for people who are, like, say, peaking the, like, say, you using gear, peaking towards a comp, and then they hit a peak, and then... They're coming off for a bit or the cruising or whatever. Like, I find that some people struggle with the kind of setting the setting the goals appropriately and their expectations. Like they, yes. they like basically c c coming off or hitting the peak and like keeping engaged because they because a lot of people like keeping it simple. They come off and they feel like they they can't lift what they can do so. So what? What's the point? Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. So, whereas, whereas actually putting, put like, say, say the you know doing the lighter kind of framework that you you've said, um, like like it's great because the the not like kind of objective measures to get obsessed with. Do you know yeah, what I mean? you're like, not or, testing your max your numbers as much like you. So I think I think I think be be careful like for people taking for people taking gear like be careful with like working at percentages especially at different phases like you like how you cope how you handle percentages as you in a comp uh, in a peak for a comp is going to be 
very different to to obviously when you you're doing a lighter phase and stuff and you and that you, is a good consideration the same person when they're on and off will be different i don't mm. think there's really much to change between people that either are taking something or aren't but you yourself yeah you're gonna feel different so i think that's something to work on if you're if suddenly you feel a bit flat, obviously your energy levels are lower. You just don't feel as strong mentally as much as anything else. You need to be aware of that to plan your trading in. Yeah. So I've seen guy, I got I've had a client one well, a couple of times and like things going back. So I'm like, what are you trying different methods? Like, oh, I've been off gear six months. I'm like, I didn't know you were on. So like, yeah, I was on then when we were hitting PBs and I've been off. Yeah, and it's like, well, I know I try and figure everything. So, so I think again, like it's something that we get, we, we I talk about all the time. It's like communicate. If you're working with a coach, communicate with your coach. Like if you're like, say, so someone like Paul, for instance, who like quite famously within this niche, like is natty. Like, don't feel that he's going to. Like that, you have to keep it from him. Yeah, trust. I, get, like, I, I, I get that a lot. I've yeah. had it in the past where people, where people haven't told me, and then I found like, what, 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 like, I suppose one of our kind of good characteristics that we have in common in terms of coaching, like we're 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 not judgmental. We we don't like have like we don't like we, I don't judged. even have an opinion. Yeah, exactly. Know, yeah. Like, you, like to the point of like, what do you th- like? We don't actually have an opinion. It's like what what we're dealing with in 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 yeah yeah of course everything the big picture right and how do we how do we get a little bit better for next week? Yeah. So the more data and the more significant things that we know about you, the 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 better the, the, the training is going to be. So so it goes with any anything like it, you know like say beyond like take, taking gear and stuff like. If you've got if you've got stuff that you're dealing with that's under the surface, if you're struggling with stuff outside of training, if you're struggling with nutrition, if you're struggling with relationships, or you're, you're having a hard time at work, yeah, because like, I communicate. I always make sure I find out what people do as a, as a job because it's like if you have someone who's a student, and when you're a student, you pretty much a dasser on if you live at home and you just train all day. Especially if you're like me, you don't really care about your degree. You just lived at home, trained all day, you're buzzing. Compared to someone who's a manual laborer five, six days a week, they've got three kids and a missus. You've mm. got to cut that into account. But if you didn't tell me that, if I assume one, because you haven't told me the other, your program's not going to be optimal. So make sure you tell your coach as much as you can. Brilliant. So we'll, so we'll move on to the, the next thing that you've just touched on, actually. You're saying about somebody's, ah. somebody's asked how to cope in the past. How, sorry, how, how to cope in the past and stay focused and remain on top of training when life gets busy, child, work, relationships, and stuff. So, yeah, you, you obviously you haven't had a, you haven't had a child yet, Paul, but you know what it's like. Job is, but you know you know what it's like to be uh, busy and and whatnot. Like, how how do you how do you keep focused and like keep 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 juggling? So so every aspect of your life, you feel like you're being relatively successful in terms of you getting better at everything. Like the biggest thing with this, I can say, is prioritize. It's I'm not going to sit and pretend I've had loads and loads of stuff to deal with at once because training's always been a big priority of mine. But prioritize and have a plan. The, the less busy you are, the less you really need a plan because you can kind of just wing your way through it and it, you'll figure it out. But if you're really busy, you need I need a routine. I'm doing this on this day. You might train twice a week, but at this time for 90 minutes, I'm training twice a week. Um, so I think it's just prior planning. And the more things you have going on, 
you need to prioritize them in, in what order and how much time each is going to get. And then you're going to say, right, this time is going in there and this time is going in there. Guys that I know that have have been really busy and been successful, they're just they're on the ball every hour's accounted for in the day. Uh, and it can be quite tough, obviously, but you need to plan first. Because if you start thinking, oh, am I doing this? Shall I do that? Shall I? You, you've, you've kind of lost before you've even started. So the more stuff you have, really just get a kind of a diary, a plan, a schedule, and make sure you stick to it. And think about it. And I had a good one, uh, a mate of mine who was doing his PhD, and he used to he used to train early, get it in while he was fresh, and then he'd be working all day lecturing and doing his PhD, and he'd be knackered by the end of the day. But then he realised, well, I like training. Even if I feel dead and my mind's blown, I look forward to training. So he started coming in early, doing his work really early, and he had training to look forward to because he's going to enjoy training. No matter how dead he is, it will get him up for it. So he found switching around and training at the end of the day when physically he was more tired, but mentally he was a bit fresher for it because he'd been looking forward to it. Kind of carried him through on his really busy spells. Brilliant. So I find on this that having a growth mindset, and even if you don't have a growth mindset, working towards developing a growth mindset in terms of, like, say, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. So you have people who are like, well, I like the like. I, I can't, I can't be organized. Like you said about the importance of being organized, for instance. Yeah. yeah. People were like, oh, I'm, I'm just disorganized. And they put themselves into that box. Like saying I'm weak. Yeah, exactly. Like, not trainable. Exactly, exactly. Whereas somebody with a growth mindset will, will, will say that uh, maybe maybe I find it challenging to be organized, but blah, 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 blah. And they'll have a way, like they'll have a plan to like building towards a solution. So for, so for me, like I've, always struggled with being punctual being organized like i can't like struggle with like remembering things whereas like people like who know me like within the last couple of years like some people would actually say that i am punctual i am organized like i'm structured with a lot of things and it's something that in order to be successful within the different contexts. So here, so say like with training, work, being a dad, being supportive to my partner and stuff, like be, being relatively successful and getting a little bit better with all of these consistently. That's something that I have had to take, like take the ball by the horns and actually get better at. And actually, you, you know, like say employing systems, like it sounds crazy, but like using using the calendar on my phone to schedule things in, using using notes on my phone for everything, um, like even the way that I communicate with people, like say even the way that I communicate with clients and stuff, like like say I'll chat, like if I see people in person, I'll have a I'll have a chat with, um, like say we'll chat about stuff, but if there's any if there's anything like that's really pressing or really important, I'll always say look just email me or or send me a message on whatever so then i've got a record of this so yeah, then you're not trying to remember it and exactly it and, yeah. this is this is this is a key so 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 actually instead of like taking that kind of um that negative mindset of like oh well, my, i don't have a good memory it's actually changing like creating systems and putting systems in place within your context so i actually don't use my memory so or yeah, I, or yeah. I don't rely on, don't rely on because it, I don't need to because I'm like, well, why would I why would I stress or give myself the anxiety of trying to remember to meet you? 
you know, like a bit, bit like you scheduling this and like saying, right, well, t- tell me a time, Paul, and I'll work around that. You know, rather than it's just, on a message too, isn't it? So you can read it. Yeah, it's that's like it. And, and like so, so I don't even try and remember that. I just know that made me put oh, what time is it going? It, it, it's kind of scheduled in, and and it, even so much as um, even so much as like 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 how how I've done that with with training, for instance. Like instead of I, I think this, I can remember the reason why I trained on the days that I do I train Monday and Friday four o'clock. Right, because when I started training tr- strongman and uh, was training with Paddy and Hixie, they were saying like, "What? Or what, when do you when do you want to train or whatever?" And they said, "Right, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, four, four, four till six. Yeah, four yeah. till six was what Hixie wanted." So I committed to that, and that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. So I've like yeah. I've trained like every Monday for for. A, like miss when I've been on been, been abroad and stuff, but like every Monday, every Friday when I'm here, like it's it just like like clockwork. Yeah. And and the point is when you when you schedule something like that and put the systems in place, like most I, I would actually say that most of the time that I train because like I'll work before I'll do have like stuff other stuff scheduled in that of course like goes over sometimes like. Most of the time, I would say like over fifty percent of the time, when I go to train, it's not the convenient thing to do, and it's like I've had to peel myself away from something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That maybe if I wasn't so committed to being an athlete and whatever, that maybe like very often time, like the other stuff is probably a bit more important. Yeah, like oh, very, very often. Things, yeah, but in terms of like the goals that I've set as an athlete and. Yeah, and it and it is a it is a juggling act, like taking in the the like the say being an athlete, being a being a coach and running a business, running a like running a relationship, but like like making a relationship work mm. and like bringing up a child. They're they're like my four pillars personally, and I feel like a lot of people have that in common. Um, but but yeah, that that's all all that I all that I care about and getting a little bit better at all of those things each week. And it is, it is a juggling act. Yeah. Um, but I fa- find that having, having the systems in, taking ownership. That's the biggest thing. That, that's the biggest thing. And like, say, say if you, 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 you and say you, you and Shannon, you, you like disagree on something or whatever, like you have to come to, a re- it might not be immediate, but you have to come to a resolution yeah, yeah, because, no. because you know that if you don't resolve that, then, it's going to affect training. It's yeah, going to yeah, affect course, your work. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's actually, so there might be times where you, you're hitting an important training week, but actually, yeah, you still turn up for your session, but actually the, the goal of that training week might actually be to fix that relationship or fix that issue or whatever that feeds into the other stuff. I remember training once after an exam, um, and obviously there's a few exams at once and I went into training and I was all, and I ju- couldn't do anything because it was, I couldn't compartmentalize it, yeah. like leave that there and then go out and train, even though I thought I'd be fine. And literally I was so weak. I was just terrible. I just couldn't switch off. Um, where it's something I got better at where it's like, right, training for these two hours. I'll worry about anything else after that. COVID was a good one because probably like most coaches, absolutely, <laughs> my revenue just... <laughs> Suddenly making no money because all my clients had left. So I had to go and train for two hours, not think about that, train. Then I'll worry about that after. But 
worrying about it while I'm in between sets of squats was not going to do anything positive. Yeah. They're just switching you're off. Dangerous. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dangerous. So it was like, right, I'm trading now. I'll worry about what I'm going to, what I'm going to do after yeah. that. So again, and th- this, these are the kind of skills, like you're saying about comp- comp- compartmentalization. Like this is the this is the kind of thing that you need to take ownership of and have like, like an open mindset with because this is the kind of thing that people people are very often say, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It's not something that is innate. It's something that you develop, isn't it? It's a mm. skill. Yeah. Like you, like you, you actually get better at that. Like logically, you look at right. Well, if I want to get better at this and this. Is it going to be beneficial if I do a little bit of both and they cross over a little bit, or is it going to be better if I give that the most attention for that little block and then completely switch into the other, which is going to give the the greatest net positive? Yeah, and it's most of the time it's going to be like you say compartmentalizing. Yeah. So if if you agree with that logically, then it's about creating systems what can can achieve this. So, yeah. so again, this might be too simple and not cool enough <laughs> to actually implement for people to implement. Most things people just won't do it because it seems too easy. But just just getting a calendar and uh, a thing like just going back to going back to the thing that I said before about me, kind of, um, you know, like say like going heavy all the time, whatever. Like recently, I'm I've hit my kind of peak of won a, won a competition that I enjoyed three or four weeks ago and then since then I've like backed off and found it found it it's it's weird when you're in the stresses of like stresses when you're in like that you've got the kind of you, you're prepping for a comp or whatever it's almost easy to not like I've got right I know I need to hit these sets and reps blah 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 blah, blah. so I need to be there for that time to warm up yeah, to yeah, back yeah. home for tea to do that, do that so I need that window Whereas what found that thing that I found a little bit more challenging is like transitioning into the lighter block, as like we said, and then almost like having a little bit, having a bit more freedom. So it'd be like, oh, it don't matter if I'll, I'll, do, I'll be 15 minutes late and then it'll be, be fine. And then that's why I ended up with today. So a bit late and I thought, but I quite like, I don't mind doing it on these blocks, especially early on. So it's like, right, I'll push, I'll push the pace. I'll get through everything really quick yeah. and I'll get a bit of conditioning thingy. But yeah, it's completely different to comfort when it's like, I need two and a half hours or three hours, whatever yeah. it is. These sessions, there'll be a bit more, well, let me challenge myself, see if I can do two minute rest for the whole sets, for the whole session. So yeah, but it is easy to drop the ball, isn't it? But I think, if you can, if you can get that mental break of not quite having to be as strict for a little period of time, it's really beneficial. So you can kind of have a bit of a, a mental deload, if you like, as much as a, yeah. a physical one. But I think changing the goalposts within that can be beneficial because the the going against what you just said, like the thing that I've had to manage is like, right, well, I'm doing this phase where I'm going lighter and I'm kind of confusing the doing the lighter phase with not being quite as important. So the, yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah. these other things, what I've said about these, like kind of balancing act, these other things. Well, oh, well, actually, I've been, I found myself doing more work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To the point where my training's been compromised, and been, so then, so a thing that's helped me re- recently, instead of being like so anal about the sets and reps, what I've said, I'll say, right, well, I can be a little bit later, or I can be, can finish a little bit later, but I've got to turn up, and on my Monday session, I've got to do two hours. It doesn't have to be that it doesn't have to be. I'm just turning up and I'm engaged yeah. for two hours without looking at 
emails and social media and stuff, just two hours of work. So then since I've done that, I've, I've realized that, oh, buddy, hell, if, I, if, if, I'm, if I let myself like be late to turn up to the session, then I can't oh, have my tea till 20 to 8 yeah, 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 instead yeah, of, of being home for quarter to seven. And yeah. So that's that's made me more accountable to being better at the other stuff is that that like timed window. Yeah. Even though within that, it's like the, there's less pressure in what I'm actually doing. Yeah, I get you. I actually think that's a, the point you make about being as important for, for me in kind of the off-season block. I'm a bit more worried about missing a session. Like I won't miss a session on for this what I think six seven weeks at all I won't do it whereas if I'm in a comp prep and I wake up and I'm dead one day I'm, I'm aware that I might have just overdone it I'll miss I don't mind I'll skip one I'll do a bit more recovery work and I'll I'll not push too hard to then you know have a kind of domino effect I'll just take a day whereas in blocks where I'm going lighter I know if I don't want to do it just because I'm being soft rather than any real fatigue that's stopping me. So it's it is getting that importance of the the lighter stuff isn't necessarily less important. And and not just thinking because it's an easy session, it's one I can sack off. Yeah. Brilliant. So when you getting ready for these sessions, Paul, so pre workout now pre workout nutrition, what do you have before a session? Do you use pre workouts? Do you use caffeine? I will And how does it change when you get to a comp? Um I'll generally have a monster before my event session just because we leave early. I'm not a big pre-workout guy at all. I will very occasionally have them, but I will save it for when I really, really, really need a boost. Um, it's been a while since I've had one, um, but the one I use, it's uh, it's um, Team Affinity. Oh, God, I forgot. The, I forgot I could plug this. It's um, Primal. It's Primal, but it's... Um, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Primal core, which is a really basic one anyway. So it's not very, it's not super hardcore high stim. Um, so even when I use that, it's nothing too crazy. I'm not a big like links in the description. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Um, but there are, I mean, that's basic one. There's levels above that with crazy amounts of stimulants in. So even even when I do take a free workout, it's not very intense, shall we say. I'm a my I can get like switched on so easily, like. I um Shannon got stopped watching over there, <laughs> and I was trying to see how quickly I could press the two buttons for like the shortest time, and my heart rate started going, and adrenaline started going a bit. So I'm really good at getting switched on, so I don't generally need much of a kick unless I'm really, really feeling it or want to go like next level height for a session. <laughs> uh, how long before a session? Now, as close as possible for me. Um, yeah, I'll try and eat as pretty much as close as I can. Um, I don't really have any issues training after I've just eaten like some people do. So you've, you've touched on that, like the kind of getting fired up and putting the on switch for the, the session. But what about like, say, you know, like in the couple of hours before, like, is there, is there anything, do you, do, you, do you have like a pre-workout meal? Do you like say, what, what do you have like any different kind of stuff on training days, like breakfast or whatever, if you train before training or, mm. do, you, or do you just generally... That, it's pretty much the same. Uh, weekends we might eat slightly differently, but not really major. I train generally train six days a week anyway, so it's only really Sundays that I don't train. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'll eat and I'll go to the gym if I'm training in the morning. If I'm training in the afternoon, I'll eat and I'll eat lunch and I'll go to the gym. There isn't 
any big routine before I train is eat. If I'm training at home, I'll eat, chill 20 minutes and then go and train. Yeah, I think this is another example of one of those things that we're not saying anything revolutionary. And I, I, I think it's really important because there are so so many kind of so many kind of businesses that make so much money off like like nu- nu- nutrition and you know that they've got their secret to the response that you're looking for actually. Whereas actually, I, I just find and and what I recommend to people is, is I say it all the time, but you but finding finding what works for you, find find what foods that make you feel good, or like just generally feel good, and then. Wait like, as long as you feel like you need to to train. Yeah, keep, 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 I, think, I, I think it's re- really, really important. Like because I think a lot of people make the error of getting to getting to like say competition and then changing the changing the the habits like acutely, like in, like before the comp yeah, and comp day. And you like the the problem is with that. Like how how often do you see at comps people struggle with like digestive issues or they're, they're kind of feeling sick as they're coming up to the bar or they feel like they need to go to the toilet or whatever. And, and realistically, it's because they're, they're changing the, the kind of what they usually do. Yeah. Like if you feel generally pretty good and your energy levels are stable, like mo- most of the time during the week, like it's even more important that you kind of dial into that for when you're at competition because you want to be replicating that. Yeah, do you know um, what I mean? It's like, when you see people ask me about carb loading. It's like we don't need carb load. We're competing for five minutes. It's like, but don't. It's like you've got as much energy. Just have a good meal. Have a good meal. Last. Make sure your food's regular. A few days before. Make sure you're eating a decent meal before you compete. Have something to keep you going. But you don't need to do anything special. It's not a hugely energy demanding sport like running a marathon is, where you'd actually carb load. So don't don't overcomplicate it. So find a little bit on this, just linked to the last one. Any go to any go to pre-workout meals and snacks. So for me, again, like just touching on the on the last point, like just t- taking ownership. In fact, just reflect on what you did rather than looking at say um, like looking for articles and looking at what your favorite athlete does in terms of um, uh, eating and, and nutrition. Like j- just actually think, look back to where th- this is. A, this is a good way to look at things, right? Look back uh, when you on your social media. When you when you've hit like a good lift or when you felt really great in the gym, and then try and re- try and work out what you were doing in the lead up to that. What were what were you eating? What were you what would you what was your sleep like? What were your habits like in the lead up to that lift or that session where you felt really good? And then just try and replicate it and copy it. Um, so uh, I've noticed for a thing personally for me, like I've like before training, I actually find that having um like f- protein and fat like say egg like eggs works really well for me like if I, if I have like loads of like a big carby breakfast like a good few hours or a train then I find that my energy levels are a bit more like up and down whereas I feel that personally I feel more stable off uh, like fats and protein but if I know that if I get like for some reason, when I get close to like say an overhead session, like say log, um, sometimes I've found that like say having like like say some easy digesting carbs like an hour before, you know, like say a little bowl of porridge or cream of rice or some bagels or something before a session can help me 
not go lightheaded as much. And that, that that's just something that's specific to me. Whereas you might you might find people who the, the other way around, like they need they feel like they need they, they respond better to having having loads of carbs in the morning, carbon up in the morning. Like what, what do you find works for you and what kind of patterns have you seen any patterns with clients or anything? Uh with my uh I have carbs for every meal. So I don't know any different. Um I'll sometimes train after my breakfast, which might be malt wheaties or frosties, if little don't have malt wheaties in. Or I'll sometimes train after lunch, which is whatever Shannon has made us. Honestly, I don't. As long as I need, I have a lot of food, and then I train. As long as I feel, I, I, I kills my it kills my sessions if I start to feel hungry. So I do try and eat close enough, enough, and have something to keep me going. Uh, it might just be like well, jaffa cakes. I, I say it. People ask me what they have during comp, like jaffa cakes, and I feel like I. I should have something more complicated. But, yeah, as long as I don't feel hungry throughout a session, I'm good to go. Um, and for the longer sessions, it will have some like little snaps throughout just to keep me going. Um, if it's just kind of general two-hour gym session, I was have a biggish meal before. Well, all my meals are quite big. Biggish meal beforehand and train through it. I think with this one is, like you said, find what works for you. Because I can't tell you what I eat. You, you might be all bloated and, and feel awful. Just find what works for you. Try a few different things. And when something feels good and it's fine, just stick with it. Yeah. Or stick with something on that kind of same. If it's, I don't know, if it's carbs and fats, like you say, or carbs and protein, just stick with that rough combination and you can't go far wrong. Yeah. And I think, like, say, during comp or du during during a session, I don't really, personally, I don't really eat and I really, really struggle to drink during a session. Like, I just don't drink whatsoever, which I feel like, yeah, that, that's a slightly different thing but but like during during competition because it's like such a very often it might be like say three to six hours like you do you do need to you do need to eat there even if you don't feel feel particularly hungry um so i find that what's a really important thing is is personally having having carbs and ideally easy digesting carbs and again that's going to be individual to you so Paul, Paul used a great example of using um, Jaffa cakes. This is another example. You can spend an absolute fortune on fancy sports companies like fancy gels and whatever. I've realised this watching Tour de France and they were having cans of Coke before they went on Pau de Wes. And I was like, ah, yeah, they just need sugar. Yeah. Well, they just need sugar. <laughs> that, that's it. You look like a bit of caffeine too when you're halfway five and a half hours into a stage. Like look like Lucasade, for instance. Like what what is it? It's just a, it's a drink with like loads of sugar in, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. like I love having like I used to love it when I was younger, like having having Coca Cola. Like mm. it's just amazing. So like I've started having those on comp days, like can, can, yeah, cold yeah, cans yeah. Coke, go, and yeah. it's, am it's amazing. Great, yeah. But like people people look at you like oh, oh I thought you're an athlete kind yeah. of thing. I got this because I went to the when I was getting married, I was in uh, Cyprus. And I went to this gym and I had a, can a bottle of Pepsi. And I was like, oh, it's like your pre workout. And I'm like, if I had a, if this was Lucasade Sport, not about an eyelid, <laughs> or Lucasade Sport with some caffeine tablets, not about an eyelid. But I've got a Pepsi, which is a bit of caffeine and sugar. And he's like, is that a pre workout? Then I was too strong for his gym, and he started saying I was going to break the building down. So mm. that showed him. But yeah, if you, if it feels good, and it makes you feel good. Stay with it. Don't don't worry about it. It's not being complicated or fancy enough. Yeah. So and um, personally, for me, like I generally like I love eating, 
and I generally like eating my calories. So, so stuff like, even though I will enjoy a can of coke now, but like I'd rather have like some, like say easy digestible fast sugars, like say, you know, like a bag of midget gems or something. Or if I'm wanting something a little bit slower releasing, but easy digestible stuff like snacker jacks or, or rice cakes, like I really enjoy. And I find like find like a di- digestion really well. Or bagels, if I have stuff like pasta or um, like say toast and stuff like that, I feel like I like I just feel, feel like I struggle to digest it as well. So, but again, like everybody's going to be different to, to this. So explore, take ownership and reflect. Boom. Peace out.